This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails, like you'll find in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na so head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit they're available in canada and in the u.s and now available at lcbo stores in ontario again that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10 hello everyone i'm alex and i'm here with my husband shane we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this family tree podcast episode 134 Nice. Nice. 134. It's not It's not a solid number, but it works. And we've got a great episode lined up for everyone tonight. I speak to Desiree Nielsen. She is the author of Good for Your Gut and Eat More Plants. I'm not a plant-based person, but I do want to do more of that stuff. Right? Like we don't we don't eat enough plants, do we, Shane? <laughs> Just I'm not a plant-based person. Well, it's Sounds true. Funny. <laughs> just sounded like you were talking about what you yourself are made of right well if you are what you eat then yeah i'm definitely not that i'm like more beef you are <laughs> you're 100 pure beef well look at it but we talk about you know eating for gut health whether you are a vegetarian a vegan a meat eater uh what an omnivore whatever it is uh eating for your gut, maintaining gut health, because that is so important for the rest of your body, and just good ways to introduce more plants into your everyday life. So gonna try to start doing this, Shane. I know we do good food. So I was like, they have lots of fancy vegetarian meals. We ate one tonight. Yeah, it was delicious. Yeah, we did mascarpone risotto. Yeah, I want to try to do those health meals more often. No, let's do it. We're in. But you know what we're also in for? What's that? A healthy cocktail, babe. Cheers. Let's see what we got here. So tonight we're doing mm. a non-alcoholic Seedlip Spice 94 and a little <sighs> cream soda. That's Water, cream soda water. No, that's very refreshing. Delicious as usual. Seedlip, my alcohol alternative. I did have Father's Day yesterday and watched Kids in the Hall with a couple of Coors Lights with my friends. We're trying to get inspired for our sketch show, so we're using Kids in the Hall as inspiration. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm not feeling energetic today. We so had quite is, a bit at dinner too with my fam with my uh, family. Yeah, yeah, we did. Your dad was trying to get me a little tipsy so he could beat me at ping pong. Almost worked. Nice try, John. But uh, I got to wake up pretty early in the morning to beat me at ping pong. So Shane, how was your Father's Day? I noticed you're wearing a really cool, expensive new sweatshirt. It was good. I had a feeling you were going to get me this, and I'm glad you did. <laughs> oh no. Did you ruin it already? I sneezed on it, and now it has snot on well, it. Well, boogies come out. Tell everybody what it is. It is the perfect hoodie, right? That's, That's what, what it's, it's called. called. It's Kanye West designed this, and it's double-lined. It's like two hoodies. The The front of it's like a normal hoodie, but the inside part is a hoodie, too. 
and it's something I wanted. It's so cozy and comfy and thick and it's the perfect hoodie made by The Gap. They, he did yeah. a collab with The Gap, which seems like maybe not the most natural fit, but somehow it works. And your Father's Day out of 10, what are you rating it? Okay, there were some missteps. I was asked to bathe children. I don't know. That's <laughs> not something I really want to do on Father's Day. I, but did you end up bathing children? Well, I flat out declined <laughs> that <laughs> demand because you you were like, Shane, do you want me to make you a coffee, get you a cocktail, get you a beer, anything you want? I was like, well, I'll have a coffee, but you don't have to make it. I'll just make myself a coffee. Thank you for offering. Mm-hmm. And I'll just sit down and relax. Thank you, though. And then I, I start up the coffee, just pushing the Keurig. Like, okay, uh, I'm just going to go shower. You bathe the kids. Okay. And I'm, I'm like, you you just said coffee, cocktail, beer, and I'm just having a coffee. You're like, yeah, but I, I just need okay. a shower. World's biggest complainer. My showers are two to three minutes long, and I desperately needed one. I stunk yesterday. I needed a shower more than I've ever needed a shower in my entire life. You even walked into the bathroom. You're like, why is it stinky in here? I was like, oh, man, like I just took off my shoes in here. That's why. That's why I needed a shower. Yeah, but you always stink. (laughs) I wouldn't say that was like breaking world records or anything. So... But it's just, it was bad timing just because I just poured the Keurig. So that was a bit of a fail. Or wait, we do the thing where things I love. No, things you I don't. idiot. We're doing the thing oh, where how you was it? tell me how good your Father's Day was. No, you told me to rate it. Yeah, rate it. Okay. And just tell me so how good I, it was. It starts at a 10. That's how I rate things. I started at a 10 and then I slowly take percentage points off. So, well, then okay. you'd have to give them two as you go through the day. Well, it's easier if you start at a 10 and just take it back and then you go through for the number. Everyone yeah, you take it back, but then something good happens, so then you add it up again. Wait, let me check my notes. I made some notes on things. Oh, you're putting me under note scrutiny now okay. for Alex events? stinks, asked me to bathe the kids. <laughs> uh, what else do we got here? Oh, Alex had a group chat. Where, so I, my favorite food is chicken wings. Love chicken wings. My favorite place to get chicken wings from is called... The Anchor, it's, it was established in Buffalo, but they have another location in Hamilton. Lucky for me, right? It's very hard to get wings from the Anchor, though, because they don't deliver. And it's it's in a kind of an inconvenient place. Worst location for takeout. Although it's in Hamilton, you have to park and run out and get it, and your car could get towed. And it's, it's like on a main street where there's no parking. Yeah, so getting the Anchor is usually reserved for special days. It's also expensive mm. for wings. So your dad suggested, hey, let me get Anchor Wings for Father's Day, my favorite son. I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, or whatever I said. Right. And then you start saying, well, what if we get my pie pizza also? A pizza, like it's a fancy pizza. I don't know if your parents are going to like it. And then you start, you're like, what, well, if, she, what if Shane wants the keg? No, she, no, they were like, let's not get wings anymore after it was already set up. And then I, they were like, what else would you like? And I was like, I don't know, the keg. Like just saying no, anything. No, you didn't just say that. You said, I don't know, it's your day, the keg. Shane, <laughs> Shane, do you want the keg? So this is a I, meal for like six people. $600 I'm going to ask your parents to spend on me and it's on me. 
<laughs> I was happy with the wings. All of a sudden, I'm in this weird position. I'm not comfortable. They're not my... I feel I love them like they're my parents, but I'm not comfortable enough to just be like, buy me this elaborate Father's Day meal. I would have gone halfsies if it was the case. You would not have. I would have. I was planning on. I was planning on getting the pizza if we, we did share my a pie. bank account. I don't want halfsies going down on the cake. <laughs> we had them fully paying for the anchor, which is delicious. It was really good. The, then all of a sudden, I'm I'm eating my wings. Foldies are showing up from the mule. Filling up my tum, a cake comes sliding down. DQ all, score blizzard cake. Yes, all these extras, which I'm not complaining about, but I did say foldies for lunch, but you got me foldies for dinner. Because they the, weren't open for lunch, you ding dong. I know, sometimes you got to let it go. But all things considered, I say that Father's Day was a solid 8.5. You're a dick. How could I have what? made it better? Oh, just, I just told you. What? No, no asking you to possibly bathe the kids, which you didn't even do. No bathing kids on Father's Day. Okay. For the listeners. So I get up at six with the kids. I clean the downstairs of the house. So he walks out you and it's looking nice. You cleaned one table. And if you recall on Mother's Day, I came out and it was even messier than the day before. You came out two hours and earlier then, than I did. And then. I hid in the room. I took the kids in the car and we went all the way downtown to pick up your favorite breakfast from your favorite spot because they weren't doing Uber Eats that day. So we pick it up. And before we did that, I made you a coffee and I wrote you a little note. I said, we're going to come back soon. Help yourself to some coffee. So when we came back up. You're waiting there with your coffee. We have your lovely breakfast. Then we got some nice uh, healthy lunch. We did stuff with the kids. And then I got all your favorite things. No, Shane. I said I wanted foldies for lunch. It wasn't open. It didn't open until 3.30. Only because all of a sudden it was lunchtime and you said, well, what do you want for lunch? And I said, oh, I, I thought I you asked me for one request. I said, foldies. You went, oh, I forgot. But then I checked and they weren't open. Yes. So 8.5. That good is, try. Hey, that's it's good. That's such baloney. Why? 8.5 is good. No, it's not. That's such baloney. It was a 10 out of 10. I wrote you a really nice card. I got you the thing you wanted. What do you rate my mother's day? And I treated day? you so nice. Well, if on your rating system of five, five, it was a 10. But now on this new rating system, it's a five. I think I got you your new favorite outfit of yeah. all time. Well, I woke up to a messy house, Shane. Yes, it was Pretty messy. sure I had to put a child to bed, too. Put a child to bed? No, you didn't. You asked to put the child to bed because she's obsessed with boob milk. It's true. And I didn't get her addicted to that you stuff. You couldn't grow boobs for Mother's Day? I would have. I would have. If it was up to me, I would have weaned her off at 18 months. <laughs> you're, you're like all the people on, on TikTok getting mad at me for still breastfeeding No, her. just to give you a break. That's I'm thinking of you. Because mm -hmm. you said, hey, Shane, could you put Betty to bed? I went to grab her. She freaks. I don't even flinch. I say, yeah, I'm going to figure this out. Then you took her on Mother's Day. Shane, do you think you're naggy? Naggy? No. I'm just honest. That's my problem. That's like any bitchy girl. I'm just, I'm honest. I speak my mind. You if asked, you don't like it, get out of here. We're, well, authenticity is very important in the social media <laughs> sphere. And right now we're doing a podcast where my listeners need me to be Shane. And part of right. being Shane is being brutally honest and even giving you like an 85%. If I got 85% on a test, I'd be so happy. I'm a straight A student, straight 90 student, yeah. Jane. You, well, you still got an A. So Yeah, we, but not a 90. Get, let's not pretend you're a 90s student. I am. 
You got straight 90s in high well, school? Well, 80s and 90s. Okay. Well, this is the 80s. Okay? <laughs> this is your 80s project. That's fine. Doesn't seem fine. Yeah, well, it's not fine. I think you're a naggy little weasel. And you know what? That's that's that. I still love you, but I think you're a naggy. Hmm. I wonder what's worse at this point, calling me a naggy weasel or me being <laughs> honest, giving you 8.5 out of 10. It should have been like, what are your standards are too high then? Like, go get married to Duchess Kate of Cambridge. Whatever. I just, I, she seems more way, A-type. On Mother's Day, I actually got you the keg. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. Me, stuff coming all day. Deliveries just showing up. Roses showing up at all hours. Balloons showing up. <laughs> Things were just showing up at random. I'm popping bottles of champagne for you at like 10 a.m. Mixing it with stuff. And you, just because one table was messy, hey, you're giving me a five? I told you it was a 10 out of 10 before your rating system. All things being equal, if it's a competition for who is more spoiled, you are more spoiled. You also got upset with me because I asked to go for a walk. Well, yeah, because that that's the only time without kids, like when it's nap time or after the kids go to bed, our only time without kids so that I can get close to you and spoil you, give you a full body massage. I was prepping a spa night, Shane. Well, that And you went out with your friends. Then I asked... May I leave the house and go watch kids in the hall with my friends? At like 3 p.m., you told me, you go, I'm going to meet up with my friends tonight to watch kids in the hall. At 3 p.m., when I'm going through my head and I'm about to be like, ooh, get ready for your big spa night, Shane. And then you drop that. 3 p.m. after the kids are in bed. So I give her six hours notice. I'm going to watch kids in the hall with my friends for two hours. Alex. You got home at 1.45. It's not like we could have done anything. What do you like, mean? What are you talking about? For two hours. Like, so if you like you leave, it's not like you, you can like come back and we do something. So it doesn't matter how long you're gone for at that point. Okay. okay. <laughs> Ir- irrelevant. Hearsay. You were willing to let it ruin Father's Day. I was not. You had a. 40-minute period, Alex, where you were upset. You're being so hyperbolic. I was upset for five minutes because I was like, oh, that sucks. I thought I was going to do like a spa night with you. And then I was upset for five minutes and then got over it. I had to talk to you. Well, you had to talk to me because you felt like you needed to, but you didn't. I would have been fine. Stomping around I would have been fine. Stomping. I was not stomping. There's dents in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, there's reasons for the 8.5. I, was, I wasn't I was going to bring this part up. I was going to let it slide. But you wanted to push it and really figure out the 85%. I'm grading a think a little bit gentler than I could have. Your Mother's Day was the best. Uh, I think your Father's Day was pretty good, too. Yes, it was. Pretty good isn't the best, though. Mm. I spoiled the heck out of you. I was trying to spoil you, but you left. <sighs> You could have told me ahead of time, Shane. I like my 10,000 steps. Okay, next topic. You have two gray hairs. Do you think you're stressed out? And what stresses you out the most, me, work, or the kids? Hmm. Based off this conversation, (laughs) you, kids are nothing. (laughs) No, kids are easy. No, I know. Well, that's what we were saying tonight. We were like, imagine we didn't have so much to do. Imagine we weren't so busy. It would just, everything would be so... But I guess that's the nature of busyness, right? Yeah. Yeah, you. That one's easy. What about me? I stress you out? You're stressful. 
Really? How? You're naggy. We already went through this. Naggy? What, what am I nagging you on? Go Everything out. in my life, Shane. Alex, go out and have fun with your friends. Do whatever you want. Oh, That's yeah. Naggy. So if you say that whenever you think uh, so that you can get a night out without me saying anything, you say that. But then all the other hours in the day. I'm watching so like, a showgram with my friends. All I want you to do is have fun and be happy. I want you to have fun and be happy. Oh. With you, everything. If if I go to ask to leave, I'm. Uh, it's causes a problem. How often do I leave? I leave the house once a month. <laughs> Realistically, <laughs> maybe once a month. Yeah. Okay. But I'm saying the nagginess has nothing to do with going oh, sorry. out. Oh, What am I nagging you on? Well, everything. Everything. Driving, work, house stuff. I do something and say, Alex, you got to do it this way. Alex, you're going into the driveway a little fast. Because. Alex, you're exiting the driveway a little fast. Because you you think because your dad has a nice rental car from work that you can treat the car and go up and go over speed bumps in the same way. We have to pay for all of our repairs and everything. Do you think I'm a better driver than you or vice versa? Well, it depends. If we're talking about, are you a safer driver than me? It's negligible because I'm I'm less skilled. Mm-hmm. You're less, you don't pay attention to the road. You have this thing where you can never look at the thing you're supposed to look at. You're like that with, <laughs> you're like that with TVs. You'll miss every moment in a movie, every moment in a sporting event. It's another thing Shane nags me for. Well, you look, <laughs> while we're driving, Alex will look at her nails. They get shiny. And if I just get them done. Then look at your face in the mirror. Then when you're talking, you like to look directly at the person you're talking to. And if you're talking to the kids, you'll turn your head back at them to look like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber where where all the explosions are going off Uh when he's driving the limo. You do that. I've saved us and pedestrians. Tell me if I'm wrong. (laughs) From multiple deaths. Not us, but maybe a pedestrian or two. You don't yes. think I've saved us from death? No, but a pedestrian, yes. Get out of here. I've definitely saved pedestrians, okay? At least you admit <laughs> that. Our lives, twice. No way. Yes. When? There's There's been times where think, I go, Alex, Alex, because you've been turning around talking and I've, I've told you to pay attention. There was a time when you were, there was a black car and you couldn't see it. You thought it was just like a black thing. So you started speeding up. And I, I went, Alex, Alex, Alex. And you kept going faster because you thought I was like, you thought maybe you were going to get hit from behind. You're like, oh, I didn't see it. Oh, you that were- was the other day. It, I was in control of that death? situation. <laughs> why, why can't death happen recently? No, I was in control of that situation. Yes. Yes. Do, do you slam the brakes okay. harder than anyone like, in the world? We'll be on the highway. The person in front of me slams on the brakes. So I put my brakes on and she's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? You shouldn't be. <laughs> you shouldn't be. Like if I'm sitting with a seatbelt on, I shouldn't need the seatbelt every 10 seconds to save my life and my head from slamming into no, the dashboard. No, I think you're just scared and you don't need to do that. You're just like always scared now. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I, I have a driver's license. However, my entire life people have driven for me because I'm a bad parker. And when if you leave the house, my biggest fear is I'm going to be in a parallel parking situation and everyone's going to be looking at me and I'm going to humiliate everyone in the car along with myself and just like get stripped of my like manhood prize or like award, <laughs> like license or whatever. I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but with 
Wait, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> you getting stripped of your manhood license uh, for no, parallel no. parking. No, but what are we saying? You're saying that you have license too, but you don't drive. But if you oh, were to yeah. drive. And, and I'm not backseat driver with all these other people. I just sit back. I could fall asleep. That's how comfortable I was. But with you, I'm on edge. And the thing that happens with you is you don't always keep two distances away. So if somebody breaks... Because if someone taps their brakes very lightly or very hard, in your mind, you always assume the worst that they've yeah. drilled their brakes because a brake light doesn't tell you how hard someone's pressed. A brake light will go off whether it's a tap or a hard push. You just assume, oh, no, we're going to die. And then you <laughs> slam the brakes every time. Well, look, I think this is a problem with the car industry, not me. And I, I agree. think that we need to have levels like from yellow to orange to red. I think that's a great idea. And I think that would solve a lot of problems. But two car lengths apart at all. I do that. Not always. I do two lengths. No. Shame. Another thing, when you're going into an on-ramp, you're supposed to slow down to about 40. No, you don't. You Wait. don't. No. Oh, when you go, when you exit the highway. Yeah, I thought you, you meant exit, when you're going on oh, the sorry, highway. Oh, sorry, the out-ramp or whatever. Yeah. Those little things with the turns. Mm-hmm. For some reason, you speed up Okay, on I take those. those fast. I don't speed up, but I do take them too quick. So I'll get better at that part. Yeah. And like our car handles well, but if there's an icy patch or. I don't do that in the winter. I know, but sometimes there can be an icy patch in like times when you might not expect or a wet patch. It's it's all about habit forming and it is a little scary driving with you. All right. I'll take it, Shane. And you know, what? I'm going to learn and I'm going to be a better person, a better driver for it. Yeah, let's hope. And and ultimately, too, there is the safety issue, but it's also let's treat the car right so we don't have to spend lots of money on repairs. And trust me, I grew up with my mom always got a van from her work. She works at Johnson Chrysler. We've never owned a car because she was always given one through her work. So we didn't have to treat them nice. Yeah. And we, we could trash them and whatever. No consequence. And your dad has this car with his work and... He's even said like, hey, listen, I'm driving this way because of that or whatever. And he's got a hard brake foot, too, but it's not as bad as yours. That's my piece. And I'm fine. Hey, I'm just saying it's a safety thing. I wouldn't say anything if lives weren't on the line and if I didn't save multiple lives doing what I'm doing. (laughs) Shane, all I'm saying is you're a nigger. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying you're a little (laughs) nigger. And that's that. All right. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> I say we get to Desiree. Let's do that. <laughs> okay, but before we get to her, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. They make the best bras that you can get your hands on. That they do. Whether it's a nursing bra, like when I discovered them, when I had Lucy, and it was honestly just the most practical and comfortable and easy bra to use. Like, I I can't work those clips usually. I don't know what it is. You and me both, sister. (laughs) But now they also have an everyday collection, which do not have any clips. They're not made for solely nursing mothers. So they look great under a t-shirt and they have the same amazing comfort that you fell in love with with their nursing collection. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code ThisFamilyTree20 for 20% off your order. Again, that's bravadodesigns.com and ThisFamilyTree20. 
But we are also supported by True Earth. If you listen to our podcast and keep up with us on Instagram, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprints. Because we're true people and we stick to our true promises. That's why we use True Earth. I like that. The moment Do we're you doing like that, that? Yeah, I it's went, all right. I took a risk. It wasn't the most like... <laughs> cool thing i've ever said <laughs> no we've been trying to eliminate single-use plastics in our household and that means you know instead of using plastic jugs of things plastic bottles we are going to glass and true earth which is put in paper packaging it is so thin takes up no space on your shelf and the detergent itself isn't just you know dissolved in a ton of water. It's made of water-soluble eco-strips that you simply rip apart and toss in your machine. Will you ever get plastic jugs again? <laughs> no. <laughs> plastic jug-free. But it really is so easy. It keeps things looking so tidy and it works so well. We've recently fallen in love with their new scent, the Lilac Breeze, but we often opt for the fragrance-free, the baby detergent, because it's gentle on everybody's skin and works so hard on our clothes. They come out fresh, crispy, clean. It's beautiful. You're going to love this product. Take my word for it. You can check it out at true.earth. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytreat10, you're getting 10% off your order. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytreat10. And now let's get to our interview with Desiree. Okay, let's get started. Desiree, yeah. thank you so much for joining this Family Tree podcast today. We are talking about your upcoming cookbook. We are talking about the connection between your gut and your brain, maintaining gut health. I know nothing about gut health other than sometimes my tummy hurts, sometimes it doesn't, and I probably should uh, take more of an interest in it considering it is incredibly important. But can you start off, what's your background in and what is the title of your new book? Yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian, which a lot of people don't really know what like a dietitian versus a nutritionist is, mm -hmm. um, especially because some dietitians will call themselves nutritionists. So a registered dietitian goes to school for five years to learn nutrition. So we do like a four-year Bachelor of Science, and then we spend a year in the hospital. So we're kind of like, like nurses, but like for nutrition. What are you <laughs> so doing in the hospital? Yeah, so in the hospital, dietitians do clinical nutrition. So whether or not someone has just had a portion of their bowel removed, for example, mm -hmm. because they have the inflammatory bowel diseases. So to help people stay nourished post-surgery and then teach people how to, you know, maintain their health and nutrition status, like after they've lost a portion of their bowel, or maybe someone just had a heart attack and now we're teaching you, hey, like this is what a heart healthy diet looks like. So it's very much about using food as like a foundational tool, um, not just to keep you well when you're well, mm -hmm. but also to help make you better when you're not feeling so well. So then a, a nutritionist, is it, what's it, is it like a college degree or? So nutritionist, uh, it depends. So here in Canada, uh, lots of dietitians call ourselves nutritionists because people are like, well, what's a dietitian? Like, is that just like weight loss diets? <laughs> and we're like, no, it's not weight loss diets. So we'll say, oh, I'm a nutritionist. Um, but in Canada, it's not a protected title. So you could have a PhD in nutrition who calls themselves a nutritionist. But a lot of the folks uh, who are nutritionists, and I have tons of amazing nutritionist friends, but the, there's less education typically. It's usually one to two years. Okay. Okay, yeah. that's good to know because I see a lot of that, especially on social media, getting not necessarily mixed around sometimes that, but often I think uh, more so blurred yeah, or just swept under the rug. So I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, yeah. And I always love because, you know, 
when we grow up, we're like, oh, doctor, like police officer, firefighter, like no one's like, I want to be a dietitian. So I'm always like, hey, this is what a dietitian actually is. (laughs) So what made you say, hey, I want to be a dietitian? I mean, the irony is because I wanted to be a doctor. So (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I honestly went, I started at UBC, University of British Columbia, like not even knowing what a dietitian was, but I was really, really interested in nutrition. Like it was about the time when people were starting to talk about integrative medicine And I was like, I love this idea of being a doctor who's like, let's keep you well. Like, let's Mm -hmm. use food, let's use supplements, let's use stress reduction as part of a medical practice. So I went in for a nutrition undergrad. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, wait, what is a dietitian? And I was like, I feel like a lot of the things I think I'm going to do as a doctor, (laughs) I could do as a dietitian. Right. So integrative medicine, is that what you said? Is that like how, is that like, okay, like a holistic approach, like looking at every aspect of your life and bring that into diagnoses? Like, is that what that is? Yeah. Like it's literally about integrating all the tools. And like now the term integrative medicine has lost a little bit of luster because there's a lot of people just saying like wacky stuff and calling Mm. it integrative medicine. But like even a decade ago, the idea that a physician would use nutrition in their practice was like mind blowing. So it is the idea that like what we eat, the thoughts we think, how we move our body, all of these things are critical components Mm -hmm. of taking care of yourself and your well-being and like helping to like fight chronic disease. And so now it just seems normal. But like a decade ago, it was like, whoa. That's wild. I'm pretty sure I've even heard the whole tanning your butthole thing as, you know, a version of integrated medicine. Have you heard that? Oh, okay. I <laughs> do not often get surprised, but what the heck? Like tanning your butthole? Like I've yeah. heard a lot of things, but I've no, never heard that. It, it's like a whole group of people and uh, they recommend, it's very dangerous actually, but they recommend sitting with your legs over your head in the sun and uh, sunning your anus and as a way to like I guess enema the vitamin d I'm not exactly sure but oh my god just just the things you see online right this okay <laughs> that is both amazing and horrible at the same time <laughs> like those tissues sunburn there those tissues were literally never meant to see the sun no. and there's a way easier way to put vitamin d in your gut and that's just taking a supplement <laughs> Like, let me save you a whole bunch of problems. (laughs) So, Desiree, one thing I want to ask, are you vegetarian, vegan? Do you eat meat? Yeah, I'm 100% plant-based. So I started out being a vegetarian as a teenager. I'd love to say for like some altruistic reasons, but I did it to impress a boy. Like I was in a band and he was vegetarian. And I was like, maybe if I become vegetarian too, he'll like me. No, but the vegetarianism stuck. And then in my 30s, just as I was learning more about sort of our food system, I realized that the reasons I was vegetarian were probably the reasons I should go like 100% plant-based. But I was like very much one of those vegetarians. I was like, I'd be vegan except for the cheese. And Mm. well, cheese is much better these days. (laughs) So what do you mean? Vegan cheeses have like come such a long way. Yes. Yeah. So, and I also, I think the other thing too, is I learned how to cook the foods that I love. Like Mm -hmm. fettuccine Alfredo was always one of my favorite. It still is. And now I know how to make a cashew based one that I like better than the original. And so I think it took me time to, you know, learn how to cook my favorite foods so that I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything, Mm -hmm. but then also the amount of vegan foods available now is mind-blowing like there's never anything you have to give up anymore it's literally just a swap yeah i see that too by the way your reason for going 
plant-based to impress the boy. There's literally a song about that. It's called Bohemian Like You. It's by the Dandy Warhols. It came out in the 90s. And there's like a line about, uh, you know, some guys trying to get in with a girl. And he's like, hey, I heard you like vegan food. I'm vegan too. Like I got a good restaurant we can go to. It's just like about picking up vegans in that one verse. That's what it reminded me of. But I was vegetarian for Mm -hmm. uh, five or six years. It started when I was working my first job. I was working at a local deli. And this deli actually ended up getting a lot of trouble for uh, having mob ties and getting meat off the back of a truck. And, uh, (laughs) but when I was working there, you know, I had no idea. But it happened one day, somebody came and put a rabbit. It was an Italian deli. So there was lots of, you know, rabbits and lamb and everything. Uh, Somebody put a rabbit in the rabbit. It looked exactly like a rabbit, except it had zero skin. But it had like the ears, the paws, it was still kind of sitting like a bunny. And I fainted uh, and no. took the rest of the day off. And then, and th- like, I come from a Polish family. We love meat, you know, very much on that. But then I went vegetarian. My family was so good about it. Like, my mom started cooking vegetarian that day and she loves to cook. So she was, you know, finding all these great recipes. And it lasted for about, yeah, five or six years until, and my listeners know this story, but until I I started, you know, drinking in university and late at night after some beers, like picking all the pepperonis off of my pizza and then nibbling them when nobody was looking. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's time. But I I eventually started having a lot of health problems. Like I have lupus and uh, in trying to find the healthiest diet for me to keep my flare ups at bay, I just now have a diet that consists of everything, including meat. And that works best for me. Um, But I do want to get into, you know, anti-inflammatory foods a little bit later. But I found it difficult. And maybe this is why the diet wasn't working out for me, uh, being vegetarian. I found it difficult to eat healthfully. I attribute some of this to being young, being in university, not having a ton of cash. Um, I ate mostly breads, pasta, and I didn't know how to integrate, you know, proteins properly. I didn't know how to integrate a lot of other nutrients properly. Do you see that? Yeah, I love that you shared that. I mean, and also, you know, anyone reading my cookbook who thinks that I eat quote unquote perfectly all the time, like especially in my 20s, like a hot night for me was like <laughs> Annie's mac and cheese and yes. broccoli thrown on top. Like that was like the height of like my culinary prowess. So I 100% get Delicious, it. Delicious though. Yeah, I mean, so delicious. But like when you're in your teens and 20s, like, you know, being busy, sort of not knowing what to do. But I also see that in my clients, like when you go plant-based. And that is one of the biggest challenges that people face. Because if you ate like a traditional like meat, potatoes, veg style meal, you're like, I don't even know what to put on like that part of the plate. Mm-hmm. And so you you end up removing the protein from your diet. And then that's a huge challenge. You end up feeling fatigued. Your blood sugars are all over the place. You're also missing a whole bunch of minerals. Like minerals typically follow protein in food. So things Mm -hmm. like iron and zinc, critical for your immune system. Mm -hmm. Like you're just wiping those out. And so like a big part of like why I started falling in love with recipe development is that as a dietitian, we would see people in practice and be like, okay, so here's what to do. And people are like, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know how to cook a chickpea. Like, I don't know what to do with this food. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, so if we can just like create the recipes for you and show you like, here's how to make all of these delicious meals, then it just makes it, you know, you can sort of forget about the minutia of nutrition, which Mm -hmm. as a dietitian, like 
you might be surprised to hear, I don't want people to think about nutrition so much, like all the time. Like wellness is making us like lose our minds. Yeah. And really it comes back to at the end of the day, like can we cook as much as possible? Can we eat like whole foods as much as possible? And for the vast majority of us, like that's all we need to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is tough for some people. Like with me, you know, we have two young children. Uh, my husband and I both work full time. And like right now, me and the kids have COVID. And it is, it's just like a nasty period of time, right? And, and cooking is hard. And even on a good day, cooking is hard. But we've been making more of an effort to do that, you know, so many nights a week. Wednesdays is our date night. So we order in. Fridays, we do pizza night with the family. And then, and then we're trying to cook every other night. But it, it, it's tough for families. And I think especially when you're going vegetarian, like you said, out of your comfort zone with plant-based foods, that's another learning curve, right? Because it's another step. Like I, when you said people don't know how to cook a chickpea, I don't know how to cook a chickpea. I just, <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's, you know, and I think the biggest thing is that we all just have to sort of do our best, like first off, and generally we're going to be okay. Um, (laughs) But but that, you know, because I have two kids, but my kids are older. So like my oldest is turning 12 this summer and then my youngest is turning seven. And so like when you're in that like really young kid phase, like I'm pretty sure for the first two years of like my oldest's life, we just ate takeout. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It was most mostly like sushi and pizza and burritos for like two years straight. So we do what we can. I think one of the things with kids too is when they're ready to get them involved in cooking. And even if it's just like one or two nights that you're cooking at home, if like Mm -hmm. that's the flex for you, it's like, okay, so like how are we going to make and like get kids like mashing something or, you know, they can cut or tear really soft foods with a soft knife and getting them in there and getting them into the habit of Mm -hmm. cooking. And they make a little bit more mess, but I also think it keeps them busy too. Because one of the things I always find is keeping the kids busy without just like plunking them in front of the TV, which I'm also known to do. (laughs) Like, like, mommy needs to concentrate. Look, documentary. It's balanced. Um, Yeah, it is. But getting them involved in the kitchen and it helps with their acceptance of food as well. So, you know, like... I always said, like, it took me five years to get my kid to like kale because they were a really good eater, but refused to, I'm like, I will eat, I am that dietitian cliche. Like I will eat a kale salad every day if you leave me to my own devices. <laughs> but it was, wasn't until they started cooking alongside me. And like, I, I showed them how to like massage the kale. I'm like, this is how you make it. So it's like easier to chew. And then they presented and they're like, I made this kale salad and like gobbled it down. And I was like, what? I mean, my youngest will not touch kale with a 10 foot pole, but I, I got one. You can get there. You can get there. I wouldn't touch Brussels sprouts for the first five years of my life. And my parents always made me eat at least one every time that they were served. And then they moved that on to two. And now I love Brussels sprouts. I'll eat a whole tray of them out of the oven. Like one of my favorite vegetables. If there are Brussels sprouts on the menu at a restaurant, like I I order it. Yes. Like that's just like one of my favorite things. They're amazing. And now I want to get to, you know, you've, you've got this new cookbook coming up, but you also have other books, correct? I I do. And like, if you were to kind of distill everything that you've talked about in your books and what you talk about publicly, what is your, your core nutrition philosophy as you kind of go into everything? Yeah. So my core nutrition philosophy is really about two things. The first is eat more plants. Mm. And that's that was actually the title of my last cookbook. So no matter who you are, no matter how you eat, this isn't about being vegetarian or vegan. It's eat more plants. 
it's a critical, like a critical foundational thing. And like one of the only absolutes in nutrition. Uh, and that's fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds, legumes, and whole grains, like not just fruits and veggies. The second thing is that I take a really positive additive approach to nutrition. And that's really, really important to me, particularly in the wellness world, particularly because we see a lot of clients with chronic inflammatory, autoimmune, digestive diseases. And so often, particularly on the internet, but even from other health practitioners, it's remove, eliminate. They're like, go on an elimination diet, eliminate this, eliminate that. You know, this is toxic for you. This is causing leaky gut. And clients walk into our office feeling so awful. You know, they do this for years and they struggle for years. And then it destroys their relationship with food. It destroys their relationship with their bodies. And they're poorly nourished. Therefore, like their digestive lining, their immune system, these two components that they need in order to heal have been improperly nourished. So I always like to focus on what to add into the diet, mm -hmm. hence the eat more plants. I need to see, I think I need like my life analyzed by lots of different scientists. I need one person for each aspect of my life. And I need, I think, a dietitian to look. And I'm, I'm doing better right now, having come out of the tough postpartum phase with my youngest. Mm -hmm. And we actually, we're doing good food boxes. So nice. we're doing meal plans. And you know what? Honestly, like it makes life so much easier. And they pile in the veggies which is phenomenal. Like it's phenomenal because I wasn't, I wasn't getting enough and I only just started taking a multivitamin again and all these things. And like I, I couldn't give blood for years because I was so low iron uh, coming out of vegetarianism and just like into my issues with lupus. That was, that was a whole other thing. So I understand what you say about the minerals, but what is like for somebody who might not know anything about being plant-based, who might be so against being plant-based, whether it's for cultural reasons, um, societal reasons, just their own preferences. If you can say in a succinct way why it's important to eat more plants, what would that be? Whole plant foods are incredibly nutrient dense. So if we have the privilege of putting, you know, food on our plate, three meals a day, we live in a society where food has a lot of energy but not a lot of actual nutrients. So we can live for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long we get. And our body is pretty resilient. It will try to keep going, but we forget that our bodies have actual nutrient needs. Like we need vitamins, we need minerals. Just everyday living, breathing, eating, existing creates a lot of oxidative damage in our cells. And so plant foods contain phytochemicals, naturally occurring substances in like all plants that help to clean up that oxidative damage, mm -hmm. which helps to prevent chronic inflammation, which is an underlying factor in so many diseases because, you know, we're lucky enough that we're not really dying of polio these days. Mm -hmm. Like it's heart disease, it's diabetes, it's cancer, it's autoimmunity. Our cells need like every nutrient they can get in order just to survive modern mm -hmm. living. And so plants do that. And so are superfoods a thing? Like you were saying, you'd eat a kale salad every day if left to your own devices. It, is that just like good marketing or are superfoods real? <laughs> so I would say, you know, I used to use the word superfood a lot because I loved the idea of just getting people excited about fruits yeah. and vegetables because people are like, oh, that's just a carrot, whatever. I was like, no, a carrot is a superfood. Like, <laughs> let me tell you. I always felt like I needed to be sales and marketing for fruits and veggies. Right? <laughs> 
And like, so I wanted to be like, no, it is a superfood. This really inexpensive food has like so much vitamin A and like it's important for your eyesight and immunity. I, I move away from that term now only because I find that it's most often used to promote something that's super expensive and really not essential. But yeah, there are some foods that are more nutrient dense than others. And then others that we just have more research for, like broccoli was the original superfood. Mm -hmm. And we actually have a ton of clinical research specifically on broccoli, which is rare to tell us like how their sulfur-based phytochemicals help promote a healthy cell cycle. So when you hear someone say that broccoli is quote unquote anti-cancer, like that's why, because the phytochemicals in it help the cell turnover happen in a normal way. It also really supports your liver. Your liver is sort of like your waste management system of your body and phytochemicals in broccoli help your liver do what it does already. Like we talk about, I hate detoxes, but like your liver is like actually what detoxes you. And so phytochemicals in broccoli, but also all the cruciferous veggies like kale help your liver just do its thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is a good time to put in a reminder to those who might be influenced by Instagram that you do not need a detox tea that's going to make you shit your brains out. You do not need detox candies, whatever they're selling, or sun enemas in your butt to help your body detox because your liver does that for you, bottom line, because there's so much of that out there. And when it preys on, especially like I'm in the motherhood world, when it preys on uh, insecurities for women and new moms, you know, regardless of the stage of life you're in, that is really hard because we're more susceptible to buy things like that. Like, oh my God, my body does need a detox. I've just been through this or I haven't been treating it as well. And then we do these things that are, and you can confirm this or not, but they're probably more harmful to our bodies than anything. Yeah. And, you know, I love what you said just there because it is, it is preying upon people's insecurities and it, they essentially feed us the insecurities yeah. and then sell us the solution, right? You're like, industry. oh, <clears throat> I, oh, I didn't know this was wrong with me. It's probably not wrong with you. Oh, I didn't know I needed to spend like $150 on this stuff. You really don't, you know? So it is, it's, it's really deceptive. And one of the things that like pisses me off about wellness these days, because I'm very much like, oh, gee, I'm like a little, you know, I'm in my forties and like wellness was sort of the antithesis of what was seen as like a medical system mm -hmm. that didn't actually care about keeping you well, right? Like right. it was meant to be this like really rebellious movement. It's like, no, 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 we're going to eat vegetables and we're going to do yoga and we're going to like de-stress and like feel better. And now it's just the diet industry, right? It's just a new way of selling us more shit we don't need. Exactly. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, I, I have a huge problem with all of it. Diet, beauty medical cosmetic beauty that's a whole other thing that I get into a lot but keeping it to diet you know you talk about a connection between your brain and your gut and I want to get into that as a non-science yeah. person Desiree explain that to me what is the connection how do they impact each other yeah it's so fun and so nerdy oh my gosh you know <laughs> I, like like nerd out. I love this I learned so much here <laughs> it's so nerdy so you know, like if we think back to like high school and we learned about two main branches of our nervous system, right? We had like the fight or flight, which we call the sympathetic. Mm -hmm. And then we have our rest and digest or okay. the parasympathetic branch of our nervous system. Like they balance each other out, right? You're like running away from a line in the savannah or you're like chill and making yourself some dinner after you 
I don't know, found that line, like, <laughs> looked it over the coals. I don't know, did the eight lines. Um, <laughs> but there also is another really important piece of our nervous system that we rarely talked about before now, and that's the enteric or the gut-associated nervous system. So enteric means stomach. Our gut has more nerve cells than our spinal cord. So like our nervous system is actually really, really critical for how our gut works. We have nervous system messages that uh, determine the movement of the gut because as soon as we swallow, we give up conscious control mm -hmm. over like how food moves through the system. It's our nervous system doing that. Our nervous system also dictates like the secretions. So, you know, that the stomach is acidic enough that your digestive enzymes come out in your small intestine, like all of this thing, all of this stuff has a nervous system component. And the challenge is when our nervous systems aren't doing well, which they're really not. I mean, 2022, like all is not well in our shire. <laughs> like, and it's the same thing with our gut. Um, but there's an interesting two-way communication. So like the vast majority of messages between the brain and the gut actually start in the gut and go up to the brain. And we know that like more than 90% of the serotonin in our body is actually produced in our gut-associated nervous system, not in our brain. Interesting. See, that's yeah. shocking. We all think yeah. of it as like, yeah, we all think of it as like the feel-good neurotransmitter. And we know that if we have depression, we might take a medication to help increase our serotonin mm -hmm. levels. But like 90% of the serotonin is actually in our gut where, you know, one of its responsibilities is dictating that movement. So what helps things move through the gut is like the proper release of serotonin. And when someone has irritable bowel syndrome, like I do, it's thought that at least for a subset of us, there's too much serotonin in the gut, which is why okay. things just go push. <laughs> right. Okay. So first of all, I'm pretty sure you gave me a Lord of the mm -hmm. Rings reference and I love that. And did you do that? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. <laughs> and uh, secondly, okay. And again, this is coming from a non-science perspective. So I will say no dumb questions. Some questions are dumb. I'm hoping this isn't totally dumb. But tell me if it is. If serotonin is primarily produced like in the gut, does that have – like when when I eat, right, I, I get so much happiness. And I was talking to my husband about this recently. So much of our happiness as two people and as a couple and then as a family comes from eating things. And it's just everything. I mean, because then it's ritualized and, you know, that's your social time too. But even just foods. Like I could be having the worst day and then I eat something that I love – because I, I don't restrict myself and, you know, like right now I'm trying to eat intuitively and I'm trying to eat less because I found I was snacking a ton. So I, I am being a little restrictive in a sense that I'm just trying not to get all the extra crap that I might like, you know, a handful of chips every time I walk in, whatever. But if I am having a rough day and I'm like, I, I would really love some chocolate right now. I'll have a piece of chocolate and it makes me feel great. Does the serotonin being produced in our gut have any relation to why food might have such a, a drug-like positive effect on us sometimes? Like, is there a connection Ooh. between that? That's such a good question. Yeah, okay. it's, it's definitely complex. So we know that through habit, through learning, because we are very smart, um, we can learn that when we are feeling down, we can consume a certain food mm -hmm. 
and that will help make us feel better. And part of that is the rise, rise in blood sugars that we get usually after eating that can boost our serotonin levels. And then our body has another little neurotransmitter called dopamine. Okay. And dopamine governs uh, reward and motivation. So when we eat something and we feel better, when we get that nice, warm, fuzzy serotonin mm -hmm. feeling, our body's like, oh, oh, okay, I'll learn this. <laughs> so the next time it happens, we get that little boost of dopamine mm -hmm. that helps to confirm that when A happens, we can eat B and positive outcome C is gonna come. And so we do get into a little bit of a loop with like rise in blood sugar, getting that little serotonin boost, and then getting the dopamine to tell us next time, which is why like so many of us, 3 p.m. will have that like, ooh, I need something sweet, right? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> because we do have like a little dip in energy levels, right. like naturally in our circadian rhythm in the middle of the afternoon, but then our body learns, oh, like what can I do for this? Oh, I can do chocolate for this. Like chocolate works like a hot damn. Oh, always, always, yes. Yeah. So, you know, clearly our, our gut is so important in our function. I had no idea about the the nerves. There being more nerve, more nerves than our spine? Yeah, so there's more nerves in our gut, in our gut-based nervous system than there are in our spinal cord. Yes, so that is like yeah. mind-blowing to me. That is wild. I would never have guessed. So clearly, you know, gut health is so vital. It is so important. And I can guarantee that there's a lot of listeners who, like me, weren't thinking about that. We weren't being conscious of it. And I want to be more conscious of it, Desiree. I, 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 I need to be, again, because I do have lupus and I do want to be conscious of, you know, just allowing my body to perform as well as it can and function as well as it can uh, and minimize flare-ups in my case. But what can I do to protect gut health? And I'm like eating specifically right now because then I want to move yeah. on to other things. But what can I eat to protect my gut health and like and just maintain it? Yeah. So the most critical thing that anyone can do, particularly if they don't already have like celiac disease or IBS or something. So it's just like the average person is like, my gut seems like pretty good, but like I want it to be like better. Yeah. Uh, is to eat more fiber. Okay. Fiber seems like the most boring dietitian y thing to say, like of maybe all time. <laughs> like, like fiber is boring, except that vast majority of us are not consuming enough fiber. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the average like North American is getting like 16 grams of fiber a day. Whereas, you know, people in smaller bodies probably want to aim for 25 grams a day and people in larger bodies, like almost 40 grams a day. Oh, so not even half. Yeah, not even half. And the reason why not getting that fiber is so critical is because when we don't consume enough fiber, fiber really helps to regulate the movement of the gut. So first off, it's like if you have a tendency towards constipation, which like 25% of Canadians do, mm -hmm. tendency towards constipation, then that's an issue. Tendency towards bloating and a sluggish gut. You want enough fiber to make sure that things move through. But then the other thing that fiber does when it moves through is it helps to sweep the gut clean. So our gut is rapidly turning over, like, you know, between like two and six days, like every two to six days, our gut lining is supposed to shed, turn over and eliminate. The fiber sweeping the gut clear helps it do that. The other thing that's really critical about fiber, which is really what sort of blows this whole fiber conversation open is the gut microbiome. So mm -hmm. we have trillions, 
with a T, trillions of bacteria living in our gut, most in our colon, which is just like along the right side, the ascending colon is along the right side of our, of our bodies. And it's like a bioreactor. So you put in fiber, those bacteria ferment it. And when they ferment it, I mean, sometimes they make gas because some bacteria <laughs> make gas, <laughs> you know, gas is a fact, but they also, other kinds of bacteria make something called short chain fatty acids, which are totally okay. just like they sound. They're like tiny little fats. And those tiny little fats feed the gut cell. Like 90% of those short chain fatty acids get like instantly sucked up by your gut cell. It's used for fuel. So like the gut actually functions better. The other thing that's really, really wacky about short chain fatty acids is that they communicate with your nervous system. They can alter your production of neurotransmitters in your gut. Okay, wait. So, so yeah, yeah layperson's yeah. terms. You eat fiber. Yes. Bacteria ferment the fiber. They make these tiny fats that then interact with your nervous system and they can change the amount of serotonin Whoa. your nervous system makes. Okay. They can also interact directly with your immune system because like 70% of our immune activity is centered in and along our gut. What's inflammation? It's an immune response. Mm -hmm. And so short chain fatty acids also help the immune system to use inflammation appropriately because we need it. Like it's vital, but like, as you know, you don't want too much of it. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely don't want not enough of it either. So fiber is like the linchpin nutrient. Like it's just the key to everything because the microbiome is critical, not just for gut health, but for everything. All right, Desiree, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics that you can get your hands on for your kids or for you. Or for you, Alex. Yeah, for they me. Clothes for grown women too. They just came out with this collection. It is beautiful. It's their Emin West collection. It's simple. It's made of French terry, and everything, mm, just like their oui, kids' oui. clothes, are ethical and sustainable. All of the organic cotton fabrics used by Mini Miosh are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non toxic dyes. And if you're wondering where locally is, that's Canada, Toronto. <laughs> Toronto, Canada? Homegrown. But you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US. It is a value of one per customer, so stock up that cart. And again, that is minimiosh.com and ThisFamilyTree15. And now let's get back to the interview with Desiree. So what are your favorite fiber-rich foods that somebody like me with two little kids and whatever could incorporate in a day that's maybe on the easier side of preparation? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I'm going to, you know, put a plug in there for legumes, lentils, chickpeas, all those kind of things, um, because they're much, much higher in fiber than a lot of other plants. And okay. it can be as simple as like opening up a can, rinsing it off and like tossing it in a soup. Like if you're already making a soup, just, just toss them in, just toss them on a salad, toss them on whatever you're eating. But things that are really easy to incorporate, particularly if you do smoothies or oatmeal or overnight oats, 
Um, A, oats are fantastic, but B, ground flax. I love ground flax because it's really inexpensive compared to a lot of other things like chia seeds. It's really high in fiber. Um, so flax is an awesome thing to include every single day for gut health. The other thing that I love is sprouted grain bread because most of us eat bread every single day. And if you switch to something like sprouted grain bread, which is not made from flour, it's made from like the actual wheat kernels. Is that like Ezekiel bread? Is that sprouted grain bread? Yeah, okay. like Ezekiel bread or like Silver Hills bread. Instantly, two slices of toast net you 10 grams of fiber. That's amazing. Yeah, like so easy. Like you just, you're still having peanut butter and jam toast for breakfast, but now all of a sudden you're getting like so much fiber. The other thing that I got to say, especially is like, okay, so you sold me on fiber. Mm -hmm. You can't go from zero to 60 overnight. Right. One of the things that I'm like, I will say it till I'm blue in the face is you have to train your gut for high fiber living the same way you train your legs for half marathon. Because I get clients who are like, oh, well, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. It makes me gassy. And the challenge is, is that instantly, because we have this elimination mindset, we're like, oh, so I can't eat chickpeas. I must be intolerant to chickpeas. Mm -hmm. They're bad for me. Whereas if we think about the running analogy, no one is like, running is bad for you. Like everyone is like, I know running is good for me, but if I'm sitting on the couch right now and never working out, I can't run a half marathon <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Like I will literally fall apart. But again, I won't blame running. I know yeah. running's good. It's just I didn't train for it. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly the same way for foods. Okay. So if, okay, if you're going from – or just if you're anybody, right? And you're like, okay, I need more fiber in my diet, right? And you're thinking about your life and your routine. You're like, this is going to be hard to do just from foods because I, I'm not cooking that much. Are supplements, do they do the same job? Like I know my dad does Metamucil every day and he has for years, but do supplements do the same job as actually eating the whole food? Yeah. So in fiber, they really don't. And one of, one of the reasons why is because there's more than one fiber. So like there are so many different types of fibers, plus things that aren't exactly fiber, but they're called fermentable carbohydrates. Uh, and so we need a wide variety of those foods for the healthiest microbiome. And there was this re big research project called the American Gut Project. And one of the like most like famous things that came out of that project was that people who eat more than 30 different plant foods a week have healthier microbiomes than people who eat fewer than 10. And it's not just like 30 different fruits and vegetables because I see that sort of running around a lot. It's like if you have oatmeal for breakfast, you've got your oats, you've got some frozen blueberries on there, you pop in some flax, maybe a bit of almond butter, and that's already four. Yeah. Right? So 30 is pretty doable. Mm -hmm. I will I will give a little bit of a shout out to Metamucil though. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma's magic fairy dust, as I call it, because it's psyllium. And so psyllium is a really unique fiber, particularly for people with fussy guts or mm -hmm. who have a tendency towards constipation. It's really soluble. And when I say soluble, it means it's a fiber that forms a gel, which is like really, really gentle on the gut. The other thing about psyllium that's super unique is that it's actually not very fermentable. So the reason why that might be good is picture this, you've got constipation, which means you're really gassy, really bloated because literally like the farts are blocked from leaving <laughs> the body. 
So if you go and put like a really fermentable fiber in, you're like, oh, all this fermentable mm-hmm. fiber, like you're just going to make so much gas and you're going to be miserable. So like in that case, psyllium is really great because it's going to help add water and volume to make your poops easier to pass without being super gassy so that you're miserable, like on the way to better. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, my, uh, my oldest daughter, we actually had like several months of bad tummy issues where she got constipated. And then when she finally went, it was like a horrible thing and it really hurt her. And then she just started holding everything in because she didn't want to go through it again. And it, it led to honestly just like months of awful stuff. It was like horrible. I felt so bad for her. But she loves smoothies and she loves to help make her smoothies. And she's really showing an inclination towards getting creative in the kitchen. Like she has now created her own recipes for things. And like, it's hilarious. Like she creates the same things every, like she'll have a recipe, she'll call it something. And then whether she makes it today or next week, it'll be the same recipe. And like, she really has a mind for that. But I need to integrate, and I know it's not just for me, but probably in her diet too, because she is prone to constipation. So for her, would flax, uh, ground flax be a good option for her smoothies? Ground flax would be an awesome option because it also contains soluble fiber like psyllium, but it doesn't gel as much. Like the other thing about psyllium is that it can make things a little bit gelatinous, especially like if you don't finish your smoothie right away, you're like, oh, I have a smoothie bowl now. I'm just going to use a spoon and like scoop this up. So ground flax is amazing. The other thing, if, if people like smoothies, berries. So berries are actually one of the highest fiber fruits, particularly raspberries and blackberries. So instantly, like a cup of raspberries is like almost nine grams of fiber. Really? Yeah, it's oh, we really, kill that really easy. high. Okay. <laughs> That's good. We love raspberries. Yeah. So starting with a high fiber smoothie is amazing. The other thing you need to know with fiber is that you need to drink a lot of water because mm-hmm. fiber needs water to do its job or okay. you can actually be more constipated. And now if I'm, you know, again, with the kids smoothies, putting milk in lieu of water, does that negate the job of the, like, does that stop, hinder the, the job that the fiber is doing or is milk okay in place water? As long as people tolerate it. So, I mean, a lot of people don't tolerate dairy, but as long as you tolerate it, Mm -hmm. it's totally fine. So it's not going to impact the fiber whatsoever. Calcium has a tendency to, you know, bind a little bit, but Mm -hmm. like it's nothing in the context of a smoothie. Like if you're taking like big doses of calcium, fine. But like if you're just putting a little milk in a smoothie, that's perfect. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. We've been all around like with the milk game too, because she was not tolerating milk well when she first moved off breast milk. So we were on, like we were on oat, almond, soy, coconut. We landed on pea milk for a while, which we loved. And then she somehow got back on to like regular whole milk and tolerates it fine now, but been through the ringer and pea milk is phenomenal by the way, I will say it is so good. And I thought it was the closest to the taste that you might be more comfortable with, with like cow milk. Yeah. I do think that pea, the pea protein milks can really, especially because there's also so much protein, which is nice because a lot of it, and that's one thing that people don't realize about a lot of these like nut milks is that they actually don't have like any protein (laughs) because you're like, almonds have protein. Why doesn't almond milk have protein? And it's totally fine if your milk doesn't have protein, but like you need to know it so you can put more protein on your plate like another time. Yeah. Yeah. So now as a person with lupus, I want to talk about anti-inflammatory foods because that's come up a few times. And when I think about anti-inflammatory diets, I think of like 
extreme things. Like, have you heard of um, Tom Brady's diet, him and Giselle Bündchen? So (laughs) it's like, okay, wait, I have it. I have it here. I researched it so I would get it. So it's also known as the TB12 diet. So it's high protein. It's plant-based. It excludes gluten, dairy, corn, soy, MSG, coffee, alcohol, GMO, sugar, trans fats, overly processed foods, and more. So it sounds super healthy. And obviously, like, look at him. He's, you know, the oldest football player still killing it. So it's obviously working. Uh, And then some fruits and vegetables like nightshades are off limits as are certain oils. Sometimes he'll eat fish. And I know like as like his big treat, he'll have like some yogurt as like his big treat. And then I was getting confused. And this was in the past. I was like, oh, what's wrong with nightshades? And nightshades are like tomatoes and eggplants and everything and sweet peppers, which we eat like the things that we eat every day in my house. And then I found a study from 2010 um, and the Arthritis Foundation actually put this out and stood by it. And they said eating nightshade plants actually doesn't trigger arthritis. Um, and it some nightshades, such as white potatoes, can actually help to reduce inflammation. So there's so much conflicting information out there. And for somebody like me who is trying to, again, help my body function properly and not have an autoimmune flare-up, which will put me in the hospital and is like super awful, right? It's, it's hard to know, okay, like what's good, what's not. So if we get to anti-inflammatory foods, do you yeah. have any advice for what I can do there and what would be helpful? Totally. Yeah. Cause the internet is such a shit show. It is. <laughs> you know, it's so, it's so hard because so many, you know, you know, diseases like lupus mm-hmm. are often not well managed by standard care. And so people are looking for answers. They want to feel their healthy as possible. And so you go on the internet and then you're like, well, if I see like thousands of blog posts talking that nightshades are inflammatory, they must be, right? No, they're not actually. I mean, anyone can have an intolerance to any food. And I want to start by saying that even some, if something is a healthy food and a really great neutral example is peanuts. Peanuts are an incredibly healthy food, but if you have a peanut allergy, they're (laughs) deadly for you, right? So that can happen to any food, just a food might not agree with you. Mm -hmm. But nightshades The research does not support that nightshades, so tomatoes, eggplant, uh, potatoes, that they are inflammatory, that they will incite, they will not incite Mm -hmm. any flare-ups of arthritis or any kind of autoimmunity. And in fact, while it was just one study, so not enough to go on, there is some thought that lycopene, which is found in tomatoes, might be particularly beneficial to autoimmunity. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it said. another study said about potatoes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So when we talk anti-inflammatory foods, there are definitely foods that have, you know, some research behind them Mm. to that they might have minerals or phytochemicals that, again, help to squelch oxidative damage, which can lead to inflammation. Or they might be behind minerals that are really supportive of the immune system. Great example is selenium. Many of us don't get enough selenium really, really critical to build an antioxidant that our body uses internally, but also for the immune system. All you need to do is eat one Brazil nut a day. I don't even know what selenium is. Yeah, it is just a <laughs> mineral. And Well, exactly. Like everyone talks about iron, right? Yeah. Like if we're like, okay, so like what minerals do we know? Like we know calcium, we know iron, maybe we know magnesium, but like selenium is this trace mineral that we all need more of. And so you could literally just eat a Brazil nut a day as part of your like anti-inflammatory. I kind of remember this kind of bringing up the Brazil nut thing. I'm pretty sure a woman I saw, she's like, she's a dietitian for uh, pregnancy, whatever. And I remember her talking about one 
eating a Brazil nut a day gets you your pregnancy needs for something. And because I yeah. don't know what selenium is, it, it was probably it that. It was totally selenium. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That that's the hack. So there's lots of foods like that. A really another great example is turmeric. So turmeric has long been used in South Asian cuisine and Southeast Asian cuisine. Um, it's a rhizome, which is like a little knobbly root thing. It's like related to ginger. And there's a lot of particularly lab data that shows that turmeric is very strongly anti-inflammatory. When we move into human research, which is always what you got to do, because folks who are citing mm -hmm. like animal studies and lab studies, it's like, it's not enough. We do actually see that particularly for digestive issues like ulcerative colitis, mm -hmm. um, turmeric can be really supportive. So okay. I love recommending, and a lot of my recipes contain turmeric just by default, because it's the kind of thing you don't take one teaspoon and like, boom, you're done for the rest of your life. Like it's about sort of like working it mm -hmm. in day in and day out um, so that it can have an impact. And I think that sort of speaks to the larger message, which if you're worried about inflammation, it's pattern over plate. The pattern of foods we eat day in, day out, over weeks and months and years matter more than what we put on any one plate. Like there's no mm -hmm. food so powerful, you eat it once and like you're good for the rest of your life. <laughs> but the, the opposite of that is also true, which is really liberating mm. because so many folks on the internet is like, oh, you can't eat sugar. Sugar is inflammatory. No, you can have ice cream with your kids on a Saturday night and it is no big deal when the pattern of mm -hmm. how you eat is lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of plants. Like there is room and resilience in your diet and your body to eat all of the things you want to eat. Mm -hmm. What matters is what you eat most often, like 75, 80% of the time. See, I like the Brazil nut hack actually seems like the closest thing to eating something once and not having to worry about it. That sounds amazing. <laughs> but, but once per day, right? Yeah, you know? That's, well, a little night, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's not bad. So like, a little Brazil nut snack on the side of your smoothie, <laughs> a little like, turmeric in your smoothie. Have you had golden milk before? Yes. Okay. So is that, um, so for those who don't know, it's like, it's like a, a hot beverage, like a latte type mm -hmm. beverage made with turmeric powder, oat milk, well, whatever kind of milk base you want. I yeah. like it with oat milk, but is that an adequate way to get in enough turmeric? That's a wonderful way. And so, you know, it's a traditional South Asian mm -hmm. beverage known as Haldi Dude, which has had a place in Ayurvedic, like medical and nutritional wisdom for like so long before, you know, we sort of like wellness discovered it. Um, and that's a wonderful way, particularly if you love a warm drink to wind down. And, you know, because stress and our nervous system is also so important for like immune function and digestive function, it's nice to have a little bit of a wind down routine in the evening. And so you can make yourself like, you know, at least a half a teaspoon of turmeric, and then you can do whatever you need to sort of like sweeten it up or make the flavor. Like a little bit of cinnamon is a nice adjunct because cinnamon has also really good for you, but it gives the impression of sweetness on the tongue. And, and turmeric is at its best, like a little earthy, a little bitter. So yeah, if you're like new to turmeric, half a teaspoon of turmeric, add at least, you know, a quarter teaspoon of cinnamon, a little bit of maple syrup or like whatever sweetener you like. And that's a really nice evening beverage. Just to pump up turmeric, also good for pimples. Yeah. I have a turmeric um, like acne stick. So if I get a like a pimple, it'll be a spot treatment. And I don't know why that's it is, but it's like amazing for treating like, you know, whiteheads or whatever. 
Yeah, well, it's, I know, and there's so many like cool things. So I do like a turmeric mask, which, yeah, which my, one of my best friends who is Indian, uh, she's like, oh yeah, you just like mix up turmeric with like a little yogurt or coconut yogurt and like just put it all over your face. The only thing is you can't leave it too long because if you have a lighter yeah. skin tone, if you have a darker skin tone, you just look like you glow and it is amazing. But if you have a lighter skin tone, you're like, oh no, there's there's like a little bit of like a golden <laughs> sheen to your face, which maybe that's what you're after. Super cool, you to you. <laughs> like five to 10 minutes mask. No, I like that. I like that a lot. And what I want to end on is, you know, what else can we do aside from the foods we eat to help protect and just fuel gut health and, you know, just kind of the crux of everything we're talking about? Yeah. So, you know, there's really sort of two main things, maybe a third if I can squeeze it in. So movement is really important. The gut is a muscle, like it's encased in multiple layers of muscle because that movement is what gets things mm -hmm. from A to B. So movement is really important. And we see this like in the hospital, like if someone has been hospitalized and they're in their bed for two weeks, they're often going to get constipated because they're not moving their body. Mm -hmm. um, so the more that you can incorporate like daily gentle movement and gentle is key, particularly if you have something wrong with your gut, because if it's too vigorous, you're more in that fight or flight. Right. It's actually not great for your gut. So like even just like, like an after lunch walk for 15 minutes or after dinner, uh, some people call it a fart walk. You know, you can just <laughs> call it like an after dinner stroll. <laughs> so that's really great for gut health. The other thing is stress. Okay. Because our nervous system health and our digestive health are so intertwined, we're so good at being stressed mm -hmm. now. Like we're digital 24-7. Like there's always an email. There's always a DM. And we don't realize what that is doing to our gut because consciously we may play, oh, this is no big deal because we're so good at it. Yeah. But like you can't fool your nervous system your nervous system sort of bears the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. So whatever you can do around that, I think 15 to 30 minutes of stress uh, management a day is non-negotiable, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like to you. So like it could be on your bus commute, popping in a guided meditation and closing your eyes, right? Something that's free, easy, fits into your schedule. It could be a walk. It could be yoga. It could be deep breathing. Um, for people with IBS, hypnotherapy has even been shown to be effective in managing your IBS symptoms. So really the movement and stress management. And then the only other thing that I'll put in a plug is that your gut loves routine. Mm. Like if your gut had its way, you're like, wake up and go to sleep at the same time, like eat at the same times every single day and eat similar types of foods. So the more you can incorporate even just a little bit of routine, like always making sure you have vegetables at dinner or you know, always making sure you wake up and before you hit that coffee, having a big glass of water. Mm. So that's the first thing that enters your body in the morning because it helps to initiate the reflexes and the movements that help you move. Yeah, no, that's good. And I will say I got on the big glass of water a couple of years ago. It's the first thing, throw a little lemon in there. And on the days that I forget it, I notice it. I'm like more sluggish, more bloated, just not woken up or something. Like it's, yeah. It, it really does make a difference. But Desiree, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. This has been amazing. You are so knowledgeable. And thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. But where can people go to find you online, on socials, get your book, everything? Yeah, totally. So my website is Desiree RD, like registered dietitian dot com. I write very in-depth, very nerdy blog posts on like all sorts of things from like how to beat constipation to like even nutrition for lupus. 
Then you can find me on Instagram, which is Desiree Nielsen RD, and you know, occasionally on the TikTok, which is just oh. Desiree Nielsen Nutrition. Well, there you go. Yeah. I like it. And what about your book? Where where can we buy yeah. your books? Yeah. So Good For Your Gut is available pretty much everywhere books are sold. So if you have a little neighborhood indie, please go support them. But otherwise, you know, the big guys, uh, Indigo, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of the things. It's uh, really exciting to watch it get into the world. Oh, my God. Yeah. Congrats on that, by the way. And again, thank you so much. It was super, super nice talking to you. Yeah, it's uh, I'm always happy to geek out on the weird gut stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because again, I know nothing. Whoops. So it is so helpful. But Desiree, it's been super nice meeting you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you too. <laughs> okay, bye. Good job, Alex. Shane, do you think that we could eat plant-based four nights a week? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. I can do anything. All I'm right. in the mode. I just want to no, feel it. good. I think it's, I think it's, I don't want to go vegetarian. I love meat stuff too much. Like I love being carnivore, but I do think we can go vegetarian three nights a week mm -hmm. or four nights a week. I mean, for some reason, the word meat stuff isn't very appetizing to me. Well, that's just another thing I'm getting nagged for. Okay. My vocab. You're not getting nagged. I'm just thinking when I think about meat, I don't like it. I like eating meat without thinking about it. Like, you don't want to eat something and be like, this was a living thing. No. I could have petted this thing. Well, yes. And that's why when I went vegetarian, like when I was, you know, whatever, 16, th that's the reason I went vegetarian because at the deli and somebody just put a skinned rabbit on my thing and you could see its little face, its ears, everything. And I fainted. It's like, I can't eat these guys. Someone just threw down a skinned rabbit on your what? On my, my uh, what do you call them? The ee 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 <laughs> you were DJing no. in the deli? The, the the table at the grocery store that Zooms. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so tired. A conveyor belt on my conveyor thing. Oh, they just whipped down a like It was in a clear rabbit. Yes, yes. It was in a clear bag though. Why put the skinned rabbit in a clear bag? Who wants to see that? I guess if you're buying a skinned rabbit, you want to make sure you can take a good look at it to make Ugh. sure it's not like uh, moldy. Yeah. Ew. Ew. And you almost went vegetarian after watching Okja. No, that was Mike. What made you think seriously about it? No. I, it you was, seemed affected by that movie. No, that, that didn't affect me at all. It was the movie. Uh, oh, it was that documentary. Oh, right. Juice this or something. <laughs> It was the one. Where's the beef? Everyone got no, affected that by one. that documentary. It was about like uh, athletes and workout people. No, no. Right? That was no. the one your dad got affected by. Mm. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> got one vegetarian there, thing. Yes, there was. Everyone went to be a vegetarian when they were like 18 to 22. Mm -hmm. they, everyone had a period for like a year. And then recently in the last four years, everyone had a mild vegetarian phase because all these really compelling documentaries came out. Yeah, well, we'll do we'll do a several nights a week and we will update people on how it goes. But I think it's going to be good. OK, this is the mailbag segment where Alex takes listeners questions, answers them. And I sit here. How are Lucy and Betty doing with soccer? Toddlers and sports can be a weird mix. How's it going? It's definitely a weird mix, you know, with our kids and like all the other kids. So you can see how it could be not a waste of money, but I think at Betty's age, it's a waste of money. I could be like not a better coach than these people, but oh. as good easily. Well, they're poor, like real, like young 
people and they just have no idea how incapable two-year-olds are. It's like, hey, Betty, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, she can say one word. <laughs> She's less than two. She doesn't know anything. <laughs> what are you doing you, when somebody says shark? It's like, sh- ask her a yes or no question, please. But they're, they have the energy and enthusiasm, but yeah. they need to be dealing with four-year-olds and not people who aren't two years old and can't speak and have very limited motor skills. I think for the two-year-olds, it just needs to be you put the kids in like a four-sided walled area and just throw a bunch of soccer balls in the middle and let the kids just have at it. Yes, but they think they'd be, be lazy maybe doing that and they're worried that there's going to be complaints. But I want to be lazy. Yeah. I'm getting put to work in that class. They're making me do jumping jacks. I'm chasing (laughs) Betty around. I'm ordering her around. I want to chill on soccer nights. And watch. And watch and go on, pull up my phone and Instagram and all that stuff. They've got me doing so much. I broke out in not just a sweat, a stress sweat. Mm. Because I was just feeling like I had to make Betty live up to the level that the coach thought she should be at because the coach was treating her like at least a three and a half year old. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. But, be- but Lucy, so Lucy's with the other four year olds or soon to be four year olds. And that is significantly more relaxing and more fun to watch. Well, we have an outlier situation too, because Lucy's, if not the oldest, close to the yeah. oldest. So it seems like she's the best at listening, right? Because <laughs> yeah. she just she's been alive the longest and she knows how to be attentive a little bit better. And she's really enthused. So I'm very proud to watch Lucy. And I'm like, you know, the classic dad, like, my daughter's doing the best. And- <laughs> well, it's like any grandparent, too, because we have like my brother has come to watch. We have a whole crew now every Thursday that comes to watch the soccer. Like my brother will be there, my dad when he can, your mom and your stepdad will be there. And Everybody leaves at the end going, well, Lucy's obviously the best on her team. And (laughs) we just have a little meeting about that every night. It's super funny. But I do think it's worth it if kids are like three and up. When they're Betty's age, it's tricky. But I still think it's worth it because Betty doesn't have much exposure to other young kids Mm -hmm. because she's not in daycare yet. So I think this is her first time where she actually gets to interact with other kids. So for that alone, it's worthwhile. But next question. Thinking about Top Gun, if you could remake any movie, what would it be? Because I guess this person, like, there's a lot of remakes out right now or, you know, IP movies. Because mm-hmm. like, Top Gun's not a remake. It's no. a sequel. But is, okay. would that be considered IP? Do you know what IP stands for? Yeah, intellectual property, right? Yeah, of course, yes. Well, of course. Well, intellectual property is just if you invent a character and use that yeah. character in something else. So, yeah, that would be considered IP, yeah. Yeah. So... If there was a movie that could be remade, Shane, what would you choose? And when I was thinking about this. So remade, not sequel. Correct. Okay. Because I'm like, oh, there are so many movies that I think could be really cool now with like what you can do with computers and whatnot, but then they shouldn't be remade because sometimes a movie gets remade and you're like, oh, why'd they have to touch this awesome gem, you know? Yeah. So I chose for my, I was going to choose Barbarella or Cat Baloo, two Jane Fonda awesome movies. But then I was like, no, because then Jane Fonda's not going to be in them. And then they lose that amazing magic they had with her. So I would choose Logan's Run, which is like, I don't know, late 60s sci-fi movie with Basil, the expedition from Austin Powers. He's the main guy. Because it's like bad enough, 
but still super fun to watch. But it would be so improved, I think, if it came out now. And then I think The Outsiders. I'm not specifically tied to any of those guys. Hmm. Okay. You know, I'd want to say Goonies, but Stranger Things has already come out. That for some reason, I want to say Labyrinth. Ah. Like they make a new one, like a really cool one. But I don't even remember the original Labyrinth. I feel like that's an Alex movie. Is that an Alex movie? Kind of. Like I watched it when I was young, but it's not really. Okay. It's not in my top. I'm caught off guard. I wish I was more prepared. Hmm. Like, are there any movies that you have revisited or that you remember watching? Like, this could be so good, except. And those are the ones that I I think are the best candidates for remakes. I really loved Weekend at Bernie's when I was young. (laughs) Me too. And I think if they were to make an awesome remake, it could be really funny. Yeah, I think so. I think that could be hilarious. A remake. And you could add a lot of stuff to it. Who would you cast in it? Okay. I think I I go Vince Vaughn as one of the buddies. (laughs) He's too old. Vince Vaughn could be Bernie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I got a good cast. Okay. Vince Vaughn. As Bernie? Yes. I like that because he's so big too. Yes. That would be very hilarious. Timothy Chalamet (laughs) and Miles Teller. (laughs) I like that. They're younger than I would have gone, but I think that's really funny. Well, I think the original Weekend at Bernie's, they were like 25. So Were they really? Timothy Chalamet looks like a 12-year-old woman, but this <laughs> <laughs> 12-year-old girl. But he's 26 or 27. Yeah, no, I like that cast. And then who's the female love interest? Or male? Okay, uh, love interest. Hmm, I'm trying to think of a good one. Okay. Because got to have a good beachy vibe, right? Yeah. Margot? Margot Robbie? She's got like the... she She's so versatile, I think. She could do any vibe. Yeah, I feel like she's too... Not out of their league, because Timothy Chalamet could get anyone, but... And Miles Teller is even better looking than Timothy. You love Miles Teller all of a sudden? I've liked Miles Teller always. You have? Yeah. That's weird. You got to read that Vanity Fair article about him. I don't want to because then it's going to ruin him for me because he's an a-hole, right? Well, he's not an a-hole. He's just such a college bro. He's very oh, funny. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, okay, woman. Jeez, who? Who's Name some actresses. Well, we just saw a movie with Dakota Johnson, but I don't think she's got that beachy vibe. Um, I don't know. Margot Robbie and Dakota Johnson are yeah, the I like ones Dakota I Dakota Johnson. Think of. I'll say her. <laughs> Okay, so next question. Crib to bed transition. How did it go for Lucy? And do you have any tips you can pass on? Shane, do you want to tell everybody how the crib to bed transition is going? She's back in the crib. (laughs) She She only thought she wanted the bed. The second she got to the bed, it was a whole new scary world. She wanted the security that those four walls of the crib provide. It's like wanting to go to college and live your life. And then you get there, you realize it kind of sucks and Mm -hmm. you miss mommy and daddy and just want to not pay for your meals and everything. (laughs) That's like her crib. Her crib's her safe place. It's her little home. She doesn't need to be out of there if she doesn't have to be. She likes doing pre-bedtime activities in there, reading a book or watching Mm -hmm. a little video on YouTube and then straight to the crib. But it's funny because it wasn't 
like immediate she stayed in the bed for about two months and then slowly kind of started getting crib curious again mm-hmm. but i'd like i remember one night threatening her because she would kept getting up and she was awake for too long i was like lucy if you keep getting out of bed i'm gonna have to put you in your crib and she's like okay i think i want to go in the crib and i was no, like no i started you don't. that yeah, Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she totally wanted and it just set off night. a light bulb in her mind yeah. she's like i can go back to the crib yeah. And then she started like misbehaving on purpose to be sent to the crib. <laughs> but, you know, it's amazing for us because she goes to sleep hours quicker in the crib. Mm-hmm. It really is helpful. And so I guess how the, is the transition going? It's going great in the sense that Lucy is feeling super comfortable and she has the option of, hey, if I need a little help sleeping tonight, I'm going to go in the crib. But she can sleep in the bed if she wants to. Yeah. And then she's kind of in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so I like it. Uh, Next question. What are you most excited and least excited for this summer? For me, it's the same thing. I'm most excited for shooting my sketch show. And I'm least excited for shooting a sketch show. It's a lot of work to do that. But it's exciting work. So the adrenaline's pumping. But you do feel like you're missing out on fun summertime activities. So that's it, my sketch show. Yeah, I think you're doing the most unique, fun summertime activity, though. Like, it's going to be sweet. Um, oh, and we're going away for a real Father's Day. Yes. Where you and I get to go to Pillar and Post in Niagara. Yeah. So that's, what, Niagara on the Lake it's called? Yeah, right? we're doing that next week, babe. And that is very fun and exciting. I'm also looking forward to the rally with my friends. Our Kells are performing, which is always a great time. If for nothing more than... I get recognized a lot from the podcast <laughs> I do with Max because it's like the hub where all the fans of our Kells also listen to our other podcast and get recognized. And that feels good. And also and you anybody, get recognized. Yeah, no, but if any of you are going because this podcast is going to come out like two or three days before the rally, the rallies this weekend. Yeah. Shane is his other podcast, the best hang podcast. They're going to have a booth at the flea market beforehand. I'm going to be down with there with the kids all day. Our friend Danica, Mike's wife is going to be down there with her kids all day. We'll be working the tills while the guys are, you know, taking pics, signing boobies, things like that. Boost our egos, please. We need it. Alex needs it. Come say hi. We love it. Nothing feels better. <laughs> yeah, come chat. We would love to to meet some of you. But yeah, I think Shane, honestly, for me, I was gonna I had written down the show for both things mm-hmm. because I'm so excited for that. But then I'm also like I, you know, I you want don't you even to be like hanging. Me watching a sketch show, let alone Get filming one. Out of here. I'm gonna kill you after this podcast. Just kidding, just kidding, by the way. Um well, saying you're kidding nervously after that actually makes me more <laughs> suspicious that you might kill me. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, geez. She might kill me. Um, yeah, I'm not going to kill you. But yeah, I think I'm just excited for the, the time off. The time to, and I'm keeping Lucy in daycare this summer for, you know, part time. So that's amazing. I haven't ever had the ability to do that, to be at home with only Betty and ship Lucy off for three days a week is going to be great. But yeah. And, you know, miss out on Shane doing things, but then he's going to be doing this really amazing thing. So it all, it really does balance out. And Alex, you're going to be in the sketch show. We're going to make roles for you. We're going to put Lucy and Betty in the sketch show too. We're shooting yeah. at a zoo. Where you're going to play my wife, I think, and Lucy's going to play my daughter, and Betty's going to play my other daughter. 
<laughs> it's creative casting. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there's ever a sketch where you're gonna kiss some a woman, you could sub me in for that part. Yeah, there is a sketch where I have to have intercourse with someone. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Yeah, but it's fake intercourse, obviously. Yeah, it's a comedy show. Yeah, it's, <laughs> why would we go method for that? Uh, well, who who would you be having intercourse with? I don't know. We have to cast this woman. What? We do. We, then cast me. No, but I think it, it needs to be someone older. You can't bring this up on the podcast. Why not? Because now I'm angry. Oh, I'm now sorry. Now Eric has to cut this out because we got to talk about it. Why? Because <laughs> I can't have you. It's just a sketch. Yeah, but you you're, you're not allowed to kiss them. I don't. I'm. I'm not the director. No, of you're not. Sketch. You're not kissing somebody. That's when actors get divorced with their wives, and that's when everything crazy happens. You're not kissing anybody. Two words, Alex. What? No tongue. You're not kissing anybody. If you kiss somebody, I'm allowed to kiss somebody. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can kiss someone, not for a sketch show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Even Steven. Well, it better be funny. No, it's going to be super serious okay. and hot. Okay. Good. But I'm going to film it and put it out there because your sketch show is going to be filmed. Okay. The plot gets weirder. I like it. It'll be interesting. I'm just trying to make you jealous. Are you jealous yet? I'm intrigued on in how this is all going to play out. And Next. I think for Instagram account, it could get you a lot of attention. Get out of so here. I like that. No, you're not kissing anybody. Okay. Next question. Have you heard about needing a warm womb to conceive? Is this true? Have you heard that? Because this is the I first time. I could barely understand what you were saying. It sounded like <laughs> one of those tongue twisters you say with marshmallows in your mouth. Have you needed a warm womb to conceive? Have you ever heard about needing a warm womb, warm womb to conceive? I didn't know that was a thing. And warm it's womb. a thing. So it is actually. I, I don't think it's only possible, but I think your chances of conceiving are significantly higher if your uterus is warm. Hmm. No, like, I haven't heard it. Neither have I. It's like, how do you know if you have a cold uterus or a warm uterus? Well, if you have a cold uterus, some other symptoms you might be feeling. You might just be feeling cold. You might have cold hands or feet, a lack of libido, fatigue. You might pee more often than usual. You might have low basal body temperature. I have all these things, I find. Low basal? How, how would you say that? What? How do you spell it? B-A-S-A-L. Basal. Like the base. Like your low base. I just wouldn't say that word. <laughs> so some recommendations. If you find your uterus is on the chilly side, you can swap out cold raw foods with like warm hearty meals. Those comfort foods. Shane, I had a lovely mascarpone risotto tonight. Would recommend that, you know, do warm teas instead of cold waters and whatever else to drink. I feel like a tea right now. Yeah, I could do that. And just don't let your body get too cold because I guess that just makes your uterus cold. Do we still have that good tea from Niagara on the Lake? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't made tea in a while. That's a good tea. Are you going to make me tea after this? No, I have to do a Zoom for the sketch show. You do? Yes. And then I have to film that acting thing. I'm doing like a I'm doing weird stuff tonight. <laughs> okay, next question. 
If your child commits to a sport and then changes their mind about playing, do you have them play out the season or let them finish up when they want to? I don't know. I want to talk to you about this because I don't know how I'd feel about it. I don't care. Whatever they want to do. It's like maybe they want to get into art or something. I remember when I was a kid, I was really into Ninja Turtles. Me and my, I made my sister sign up for karate with me so we could do it together. I thought we were going to be breaking boards, beating up foot soldiers, and it was just so boring. I had to quit almost immediately. And then my sister ended up riding it out and going full black belt. But my parents, I think, were a little disappointed, but they let me do it. And I think that's a smart move. Then I tried soccer, I think. It took me forever to find basketball for some Mm -hmm. reason. See, I think that I'd let the kid not go if it really made them feel negative in any way but i'd always try to be encouraging them to enjoy it or see it for you know something else you want to have whatever. fun though you want to well, enjoy thing, it yeah so i try to find a way that they could have fun doing it but if they truly didn't then i, I wouldn't make them do it because then that's like a surefire way to get them to hate something i don't even care if they like hate football i'm not like yeah i have no skin in the game for them yeah. to love any sport no exactly but Shane, we're ending it there, babe. Okay. Well, hey, everyone. Are you rating the podcast? You aren't? Well, fine. If you could, I'd appreciate it. But I guess listening to the podcast is enough. Anything else to add to that? No. Yeah, I disagree with Shane. Go rate us. Go give us a five star. Go give us a comment. I love you for it. You're right. Thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree podcast. podcast. Episode 134.